Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We're so delighted we can celebrate Mother's Day with those who have children. And remember, we're not just talking about those who have biological children, but those who have spiritual children too, because a lot of what goes on, as Chris said in the very beginning, is in that realm even more sometimes than the physical realm. So a lot of things that God does in mothering that is so absolutely crucial and important. So uh, but Mother's Day is kind of a mixed bag, too. And in case you don't know, for those of us who plan services, it's like, okay, not everybody is at that place where their, their mom is the best mom in the world. And sometimes it's because you've lost your mom and you're going through still that grief process. So it's always something difficult for us to do this and do it well. But we do want to recognize the fact that God chose this um, order, and we're so grateful that um, we can be a part of that. So if you would, if you're here and you're a mom, physically or spiritually, would you stand, please? And would you give them a round of applause? And please remain standing, and let me pray with you and for you. Father God, thank you for every mother that you have allowed to be a part of this church family. We celebrate them, their life, Lord, all that they're doing in such amazing ways. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for giving them to us. And what a tremendous, amazing blessing they are. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen. And by the way, in light of it being Mother's Day weekend, we had some special events. We had the ladies' conference yesterday, which went extremely well. and We were blessed by that. The guys cooked breakfast for the ladies who signed up this morning, and that was incredible. We have an arrangement of flowers here given today in honor of our mothers. And so all those things for us as a collective church family to say thank you for being who you are, and thank you for being a part of our lives. Now, many of you have been praying for Jonathan Mullen, and Jonathan was able to make it with us today. Yeah, who was right? Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Lead the charge, man. So please continue to pray for Jonathan and Tori and their family as they go through this process that they're in. And we're just um, honored that you guys are able to be here today. Okay? So thank you. So then the question is, okay, pastor, is this going to be resurrection uh, Sunday like we talked about or we're in our schedule? Or is it going to be Mother's Day? Well, guess what? It's going to be resurrection Sunday. And, and in my mind, see, I can tie this stuff together. I know everybody doesn't think the way I do, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I know you'll catch up later. <laughs> it was a joke. Okay, hang on. But when you think about resurrection and what that means, let's think about it this way. If my mother, which my mother is deceased, as a believer, which she was, is in, G- in heaven with Jesus, then what do I know? I'm going to see her again. That's right. Is that not the coolest Mother's Day thing ever? Well, let me just caution. I'm being very honest and very real. But what if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your mother is in heaven? Wouldn't it be the coolest, best ever Mother's Day gift for you to come and say, I want Jesus as my Savior. I acknowledge my sin. Jesus, I want you in my life. Would that not be the very 
very, very best. And then, and then think of that. Once that's done and the resurrection, which is incredible because it's part of these basic elementary teachings that are revealed to us in Hebrews. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead, works, faith toward God, of instruction about washings. Bill did a great job about baptism last week and how it led into this week because Romans chapter 6 is so crucial for tying all that together and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So the resurrection of the dead, what is that? What is what are they talking about? Well, when you think about the scripture and you think about this teaching, you have to understand that everything that's being taught and presented here in Hebrews chapter 6 was not always accepted as truth in the church. And so there's been a long process of this taking place for us to get to where we are today, where we believe in the resurrection and what that means and why we are able to celebrate uh, this resurrection of life after we die. Again, you've heard it, you'll hear it again. This body that I live in is temporary. It's only for a while. You can dress it up, paint it up, do all sorts of stuff with it, but sooner or later, what? It's gone. Because God created us. You need to hear this. God created a spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit first, spirit being. In fact, it says in Ecclesiastes that what came from God, our spirit goes back to God. Is that not cool? I think it is. And so here on earth, we have been now conditioned in our world, in our secular world, to think of soul and body. Soul being mind, will, and emotion. But that is not how God designed us. And that's why I came up with this illustration years ago. That works for me. Hope it works for you. So we are a spirit being, first of all. You say, well, that's kind of getting a little weird. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 says we are spirit, soul, and body. Throughout the scripture, it talks about the human spirit. So my human spirit, for illustration purposes is like this latex glove. And in my life, I can decide to put all sorts of stuff to fill it up because, see, God created us, our inner man, our spiritual man, our spirit man to be filled, but he created us to be filled with him in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so you, then you have to ask yourself, if this is what God did, and God's plan is different than the way we think of it, then why is it, now think about it, just take a moment, why is it that so many people who profess to know Jesus Christ can live a life and lifestyle that is contrary to the very Word of God? Now, you've got to ask that question. Now, the word we typically use is hypocrite. It's somebody who says they're one thing, but their actions demonstrate they're really something else. No amen? No nothing on that? Okay. All right. Moving on. So I'm spirit. And God's design is that his Holy Spirit, at the moment that I acknowledge Christ as my Savior, his Holy Spirit comes to live in my life. Yes, I should have gotten a larger glove 
but I wanted to represent my body on a smaller scale. (laughs) So when the Holy Spirit of God fills up my spiritual life as God designed it to be, it is a perfect fit. You like that? And when that happens, my life, my lifestyle, my words, my attitudes are in compliance with the Word of God. So if my life, my lifestyle, and my words are not in compliance with the Word of God, what do I know? I am not allowing His Spirit, because remember, this is Him in control of my life. And it's not slavery. It's the greatest freedom in the world. When you're living out the very reason, the very purpose that God created you for. It is so amazing and so wonderful when we are able to do that. And when we, we live in that life, let's stop and pray. There's something we, we need to get through here. So let's, let's see if we can. Heavenly Father, every person in this room either knows you or they don't know you. We're asking now, Holy Spirit, for your help. I'm asking for conviction. You're our convictor. You're our comforter and you're a counselor. We're bringing conviction in our lives. That when we think about resurrection, we think about eternity, we think about being not only with Christ, but we think about being with those that we know and loved and they've gone before. Oh, God, help us. Lord, break us wherever we need broken. We're so, this is not to guilt anybody. This is, we're so controlled by our culture that we can do whatever we want to do, and it's okay. It, is, it isn't. So thank you, Holy God, for breaking that off of us. And let us live as those who know we have life, we have an eternity, and we glorify you in the process. Help us with this, Father, we pray. Holy Spirit, do that work that only you can. Amen. Many, many years ago, we had an elderly lady in our church that was raising her two granddaughters because the mother had passed away. And grandmother became sick, was very ill, and then she passed away. Now, I'm not making light of her, but she was about as wide as she was tall. I mean, she was just chunky. So she dies, and I'm, of course, doing the service as her pastor. And there's these two little girls that are now in such distress because they don't know what's going to happen to them. They really don't. I mean, they're just in dismay. And, you know, the traditional part of the family coming into the service this was not here. We were in actually another church. And when the church doors opened and I led the family in, to my dismay, I see the casket is still open. And I turned to the funeral director who's leading. I said, what is this? He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. They wanted the casket to stay open during the service. I said, no, you didn't. He goes, that's what they asked for. We go in. And you can imagine how emotional this service was. 
But there was more that he hadn't told me. Because when I finished the message, he walks to the front, stands all the family up, and they then began to proceed around and say goodbye to grandma in the casket. And before it was over, they had her out of the casket. It was, I'm telling you, I've had some difficult funerals, believe me, but this one was one of those, and those two little girls, I, I, they just, the image of those little girls in my, in my mind of this family who was so emotional, and because grandma was obviously helping everybody, and they were all in a place of distress. And I share that story with you to say this. I know those little girls were in such a place they had no clue of what they might or might not expect in life. We ministered to them, helped them as best we could, and then we left that community. Years later, through Sheila's work with the Luke's Foundation, she encountered one of those little girls <laughs> as a grown woman working to help children. And she was giving her life to that. Now, we don't always get to see the end of the story, as it were. And in that case, we got to see some of it. But when my loved one is in that casket, that's just their body. That is not who they are. That's not... Is it difficult? Of course, am I minimizing grief? I am not. We have got to get an understanding that there is an eternity. And by the way, in that eternity, you know what it says? It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Now we can play church, we can play at it all we want, but there's a a day of accounting coming. And we are all going to be required to give an account. Now, you understand there's two judgments. There's a great white throne of God, which is the judgment for those who've never come to know him. And they will be lost and bound into an eternity in hell. See, there's eternity for everybody. But God, in his love and grace and kindness, makes it possible for us to have an eternity with him rather than one separated from him in hell. And then there's the judgment seat of Christ. And I know that one day I will stand before my Christ and I will give an account for how my life has been. I will give an account for what kind of husband I've been. I will give an account of what kind of father I've been, what kind of grandfather I've been, and what kind of pastor I've been. See, all the stuff that takes place in this church, I know that one day I will stand before my Jesus and have to give an account. You say, but what about grace? No, you're right. Grace is amazing and grace is wonderful. Yes, it covers it, but there's still a day of accounting. It is my heart cry that on that day, that when that takes place, I will hear my precious, precious Jesus who gave his life, who shed his blood, who went to Calvary, who took the beating, all that was mine, and he can look at me as his son. And say, well done, good and faithful servant. See, that doesn't happen instantaneously. That's process. 
And part of that for me is realizing that all this life that we have in him is because what Jesus did. In fact, Jesus, when Lazarus died, he said to his sister Martha, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let me say that one more time. I don't think you heard me. Do you believe this? Because if we believe this, we will what? We will live a life that honors the Christ who made that life possible for us. And we will do it by the empowering and enabling of the Holy Spirit. You get that? And by the way, resurrection is documented throughout the scripture. One of the coolest ones, I think, reading the Gospels, is when Jesus died and the veil is rent. I didn't put all the scripture up here for you today. And the tombs were open, and it said those who had died were coming back to town. Can you imagine a little kid out in the yard? Hey, Mom, Dad, Grandma and Grandpa are back. Because that's what happened. See, that's the resurrection. And God demonstrated throughout history so that we could have the affirmation because he knows us, he made us, that we have to have that proof. Now, one of the churches that appeared to have some of the greatest difficulty with grasping the truth of the resurrection was the church at Corinth. So Paul writes... Not just in the verses I'm going to give you, but other verses as well about what resurrection was and what it meant and how it was documented. And 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the resurrection chapter. Now I make known to your brother. Now he's talking to believers who are still struggling with understanding what resurrection really means. The gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which also you stand by which also you are saved. Now, let's think about it. Just take the scripture, and and this, I guess, one, we need to know more scripture than we do. So if you don't know it, get to know it. It's just the truth. Get to know it. But then not just knowing it, but applying it to our lives, so that when you're in Walmart, in the grocery section, and you're pushing your buggy, and the person in front of you, right in front of you, is slow as molasses. This was yesterday, in case you didn't know. (laughs) You've received it. You stand in it. You demonstrate your salvation. And if God... I. How God does me, he has to have, he has this incredible sense of humor because here's this young lady who's half my age, maybe, dragging along with her buggy, and I'm trying to get shopping done. You know, men are on a mission. <laughs> Not that I was shopping by myself, I was there pushing the buggy for Sheila. I just hadn't gotten to her yet. And you know what God did? You know what God did? I couldn't get around her. 
So I decided to read the back of her shirt. Love others as I have loved you, Jesus. You can't make this stuff up. I said, God, of all the shirts in the world, I saw one the day before that said, be careful, I have no filter. I know some of those people. But as we live our life and all the things that can be our little fetishes and idiosyncrasies and how we handle them, it demonstrates to our world what the resurrected Christ is all about. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Did you believe in vain? Is someone here today? It would, it would absolutely crush the leadership of this church to think that anybody here, no matter who you are or what your experience may have been, may have been or may be, that you would believe in vain. You believe in vain that, that you, just, you just got the, the pieces that somehow seemed appealing and, and, and maybe something that you wanted or whatever. And it's it's not the word of God. It's not the will of God. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Did he die for you? Have you died for him? (laughs) Dying. We're dying, are we dying? We're dying, right? He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. Again, all of this is us being presented by God through the Holy Spirit, the privilege, the opportunity to demonstrate to our world that we believe in an eternity with God and all of us through Christ our Lord. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Remember, there was that controversy between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were both religious teachers of the day, but the Sadducees did not agree or believe that there was a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) Yeah, that goes about that good every time I use it. And so is anybody else who doesn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. They may think they're all happy in this world. But all the stuff they're dealing with now is just very superficial, very temporary. But the things of God are eternal. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. Or is he saying... The testimony of all those, and it lists all the people who saw Christ in the resurrected form, all of that was to prove because he knew, he knew us, he created us, and we would have to have proof then and proof now. And the scripture supports that. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. That first fruits, get that. Just think about that. Jesus was the second Adam. Adam was the first Adam. He fell into sin. Jesus came as the second Adam to remove that sin burden from us and the guilty, the penalty, as you heard over the last couple of weeks. I think Bill covered it very well last week. 
that penalty of sin, that legal guilt that is on us. I told you a while ago, I'm going to have to stand and give an account for my life. Just as you will. You may think you're special and you're an exception, but you're not. Just letting you know. But I do so. I do so as one who has been covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. The punishment that I should receive for what I've done all went on my Jesus. By his stripes, by his stripes have I been healed. And he is the first fruit, the first resurrected one to demonstrate this is what God has done and what God's plan is. And then he goes through this in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talking to the Corinthians. But when this perishable... This is perishable. This right here. Touch yourself right there. Perishable. You know how long it's going to last? How long is this going to last? Do what? Yeah, we don't know. Until it doesn't. (laughs) It's going to last until it doesn't. We'll put on the imperishable. That's him. That's my identity with him. And this mortal will put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written. You got to love this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Did you get that? Hmm, I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. Don't raise your hand. Let's put it that way. How many of you in here are afraid to die. Don't, don't raise your hand, okay? Because I've been that person. I mean, when I was in my early or late teens, early 20s, before I accepted Christ, I was afraid to die. I mean, I was. I, I would not even watch the news. I was in the military at the time. I wouldn't even watch the news because some of the things were happening around the world I thought was going to bring the end of the world. That's how I became so fearful. And Jesus Christ came into my life, and all of a sudden, death was not a fear for me, because I'm living forever, not in this body. I get a new body. Hallelujah. It's going to be thinner. It's got hair. Just saying. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? There's no sting in death because we don't experience death is a doorway to eternity for us now again i'm not minimizing grief please do not even think that we've all lost loved ones we've all gone through our going through that grief process and it can be extremely difficult but for those of us who are in christ that's why paul wrote to the folks at thessalonica and he said i don't want you to be ignorant about what happens after death and he spells it out the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ my sin's been covered in the blood and the law was what made my sin known but god in his eternal mercy and grace provided for me through my lord jesus christ 
Therefore, my beloved, he says, brethren, Paul says to the folks at Corinth, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in labor in the Lord. Isn't it amazing? He goes through this whole process. And I want you to, you need to get this. He goes through this whole process of, in his attempt being led by the Holy Spirit to convince the Corinthians what resurrection really means and why the resurrection of Christ should make all the difference in the world and what our life is and how it's lived. And the next thing he talks about is what? Serving. Uh Uh-oh. I know it's Mother's Day and I should be a little kinder. But this morning, well, yesterday and this morning, as we saw different people serving in different ministries, you've just heard advertisements of ministries coming up where people are needed to, to serve. I'm sorry. I just, I, I've been a pastor for almost 50 years, so forgive me. But I just have a problem with anybody who names the name of Jesus, who doesn't show up when the body gathers, who doesn't give when the offerings are received, and who doesn't serve when service is required. Is that clear enough? I would hate for anybody to leave and say, well, he just wasn't clear on that. I just don't get it. I do not get it. I accepted Christ in the Navy, of all places. Talk about a miracle. And wherever we were in the world, there was a small band of us on our ship who knew Christ. Wherever we were in the world, we were looking for a place to worship. We were looking for a place that we could go and study and learn the Bible. And God planted people in different parts of the world. And we were able to enjoy the body of Christ in a, in a beautiful and incredible way. I'm talking about a resurrection of life here. And then here's Sheila and I. Again, Navy pay. We've got a small child. We have a fixed income. And that doggone pesky Holy Spirit shows up and says, you need to start giving. And we did. Not because we had it. Because we obeyed him. And he blessed. And serving? Are you kidding me? It was never a question. Never a question to serve. Even before we started giving, we were serving. We were running a bus route for the, uh, and doing the bus ministry for a large church in, in Charleston. We were giving our Saturdays every Saturday to go out and minister to people that we didn't even know. Try to share the reality of Christ with them. Now, am I saying my story should be your story? No, I'm saying that obedience is obedience. And if you're not, if you're not, I pray to God that the Holy Spirit of God comes upon you in a way you've never known him before. You can't walk away from, I want to see Christians who are on fire for God. The story is told of D.L. Moody. Some of you may or may not know who D.L. Moody is. We're getting a little farther in history. D.L. Moody was an amazing man of God in Chicago. And as God began to bless his life through some incredible things, he was being called and asked to go to places to preach. <clears throat> and he was gone to this little town, and, and uh, the pastor there was hurting because the people were not responding. 
he was sharing the gospel and D.L. Moody was sharing the gospel and D.L. Moody would go out in the pastor during the day and visit people. And he visited this one businessman who said, I'm not going to church. I'm never going to church. There's no need to go to church. I'm, bus- I'm a businessman. I'm successful. I don't need God. I got money. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Over in the night, they were awakened by a ruckus in the street. D.L. Moody and the pastor ran out to the street, and the church was positioned at the very end of the street. And when they got to the street and they looked left to the church, they saw that it was on fire, literally on fire. And D.L. Moody said he looked back, and the businessman that he had talked to that day was running down the street toward the church. So he ran out and grabbed me. He said, what are you doing? I don't understand. You said you'd never go to church. He said, I've never seen one on fire before. Either I just missed that or you guys missed it completely. Thank you. When we're on fire for Christ, when we're truly living the resurrected life and we're not living in the sin of this world, and I know the temptations are rampant. Oh, come on. We're all human beings. We live in this world, but it's temporary. If you're here playing the game, coming here and putting on the show, then going and doing whatever the heck it is you want to do, Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction upon every heart, every life. Break it off. Break it off. Let this congregational people be the fire for this community that people can see the resurrected Christ. And his life in us. That's why the writer of Hebrews says in the scripture we began with today, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. That's why he says these are elementary things. These are elementary things. Listening to a message by Jim Cimbala last week. And he said, when Paul wrote to Timothy about the church that he had left him there to minister to. He said, think about what Paul would ask him. He didn't ask him what the attendance was. He didn't ask if budget was being met. He said, how is the faith of the people in the church? Because the, the level of faith is demonstrated by the life we live. Now, not everything is going to be seen. Not everybody's going to know the things that you do. Many things that we do for God will never be seen. They're recorded in eternity. Because we're not doing them for that reason. We're doing them for the glory of God. <laughs> mother's Day, perfect example. The sacrifice that mothers make is amazing and beyond belief. Who do you think put that in those mothers? Who do you think did that? That'd be God. That'd be God. That's how he made them. Resurrected life. The writer of Hebrews says, it's elementary. It's elementary. Are you living it? Are you walking in that incredible life that those who know you realize you're living for eternity not just for something here, some pleasure, some event, something, but
but for him. Would you stand, please? Holy Father, we're believing right now that you, Spirit of God, are working in our lives. For every believer here, we know that you have access to us. And for those of us who know you, I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you fill all of us. You fill us with your fruit. You fill us with your gifts. All for the glory of the Father. All for the glory of the Father. We are so, so grateful that we're so blessed as we are. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.